Welcome to the Parenting with Impact podcast with your hosts, Elaine Taylor-Klaus and Diane Dempster, co-creators of ImpactParents.com, an online community, award-winning blog, and service organization, helping parents all over the world to raise complex kids become capable, independent adults. Hi, everyone. Elaine and Diane here. And we know that you want your complex kids to grow up to be happy and independent. And yet you're not always sure how or when to help with that. In this podcast, we'll encourage you to collaborate with all kinds of complex kids and support them in navigating life and learning. And we'll interview leading experts from around the world, as well as parents in our own community, talking about how training for parents actually helps these complex kids. We'll talk about the issues we hear parents struggling with all the time and how a coach approach can support and empower your amazing young people. We won't tell you what to do. We're going to help you figure out how. So let's move on to the next conversation. Welcome back, everybody, to another conversation in the Parenting with Impact podcast. We are so excited for today's conversation with Michelle Borba. Uh, Michelle, welcome. Thank you. I am so excited myself. You can read all about Michelle in the show notes. She is has written, what did you say, 24 books? Yeah. Is that what I heard you say? And we'll That's talk more a little than bit you, about Elaine. That's the most scary. recent book, Thrivers. But, you know, Michelle and I met almost 10 years ago, maybe eight years ago. Uh, we did some, some work with uh, something called Making Moments. And we had this fabulous day in New York doing press interviews all day long. And we kind of sat in this studio and radio show after radio show after radio show came in. It was so much fun. So we had a great time then and and sort of stay connected over the years. So I'm thrilled to have you here to talk to our community. Oh, thank you. I'm just so glad to reunite with you. This is fun. And Diane, how do you do? Nice to meet you, Michelle. (laughs) Why don't you start by telling us a little bit about how you ended up where you are and, and your journey and backstory? Well, it was a long journey, but I've learned to say yes to everything that comes along the way. And that's how I ended up where I am. But I started out in a special education classroom, changed my life working with the parents and the children with some very complex kids. But at those days, there was very few things out there on what to do. So it was using my instinct and using my empathy, and it seemed to work. The first book started with one of the moms who happened to be working with the publisher that said, you have got to get this uh, into writing. And slowly along the way, people started contacting me to go and speak. The most amazing thing, Diane, is I've now spoken, gosh, I think it's almost 30 different countries around the world. And the most important thing, I mean, I just got back from the Middle East. Every parent has the same questions. We're all worried about our kids. We all love them to death, but we're all seeing kind of a change that's happened because of the last two years. Yeah, the world has shifted on its axis. Yeah. In many, many ways. So you started off in a classroom as an ed therapist, Mm -hmm. then you started writing. When you kind of look back at at this extraordinary career that you've had, because it kind of pulls you out of the classroom, what's the overarching theme? Like what's, what's the message that you've been trying to get out all these years? Well, parents do make a difference. And let's look at the science. What I'm finding over and over, particularly, I guess, in the last 10 years, is I started to see a noticeable change, particularly in American kids. The reason I wrote Thrivers is that I was seeing one in five American kids suffering from some kind of a mental health disorder. Mm -hmm. Then what I did that was probably the best thing in my life is I started interviewing kids. 
And I think if you really want to know an answer to a problem, ask a kid. I I interviewed over 500 kids in so many different diverse areas, and they all confirmed we're the most stressed out kid generation, you know. So my next question to them all is, so what can we do as adults? And fascinating is over and over, they kept saying similar things. You need to give us strategies we can use agency Mm. so we can control and regulate ourselves but as one kid said but you got to give us a repertoire of stuff because each of us is different you know we got to find what works for us and then voila the other thing was they said and then we got to practice it we got to practice it over and over again until we can do it without you i said oh my gosh that's exactly brilliant so the kids said to you give us agency give us strategies and give us space to practice yes Exactly. We're done here. (laughs) Well, and those are great, amazing ideas. You know, one of the questions I love to ask is like, what are parents missing? So what is it about that that's particularly hard for parents? It makes, Ah. I I think that's Ah. the way to say it, right? Yeah. Okay. Here's a number of things. And I, this is the, the next thing I do besides writing the book is almost every day I'm doing a zoom or in a, in a speech with parents. And I begin to see first issue is they have resilience wrong. And we all have resilience wrong. There's myths about it and we've got to break. And the number one is it's not one trait. Oh my gosh, she doesn't have resilience. Uh, It's made up what I've discovered when I wrote Thrivers. I was trying to look at the evidence of, okay, if kids say they need agency and we do know that they do, then I began to look at the science and it says it's really seven strengths that seem to matter most the next quest, the thing that parents go, do they have to have all seven? No, it's a rare adult that has all seven. But the more you have, the better, because they have this superpower combination. So if you put confidence with self-control or you put empathy with perseverance, you can teach all of those. But it's not one standalone. They sort of multiply each other. The next thing I, I see over and over again is that, oh, but he's a teen. It's too late. No, it's not too late for an adult either. (laughs) We got this. I don't care if you're, you know, 99 or two. It's never too early and it's never too late. Um, The other thing is, but okay, he doesn't need it because he's got a high GPA or she doesn't need it because she's second born. It's not a combination of IQ or GPA or zip code. It's just teaching certain skills that seem to matter. But back to the kid, what we're doing wrong also is, but I told him that yesterday. He's not doing it today. Right. <laughs> we're failing patience, right? Yeah, we're failing to model it ourselves. We're the best way to teach. See, resilience is made up of strengths, but strengths are made up of skills. What we've got to do is look at our kids and go, what skill does my family need this month or this year or however long it takes? Because some kids, it's going to take quite a while. And let's keep reinforcing the same thing over and over and over and over until the child can finally do it without us. I think mm-hmm. that's the ultimate goal of parenting. Yeah. Well, and, and what I want to take us back because I, I do want you to say what the seven are. And, oh, and, I, okay. and I have a perspective about this because I think we want to, instead of looking for our kids' strengths, we look for the things oh. that they're not good at and we want to like try to do that thing. So 
talk about both those things. I am so glad you mentioned that because once I realized kids were really plummeting and it isn't just our children, I'm seeing the same trend everywhere around the world. And by the way, it's now one in three American kids because a yep. crisis like COVID only amplifies a pre-existing issue. So let's not go blaming COVID that it was the problem mm-hmm. starter. Nah, it was a problem before. So then it was looking at science. And here's the next thing, Diane, that I think is so fascinating is that we as parents are failing to recognize there's some science because it's not in our parenting books. There's some science that's actually been looking at cohorts of children. Think about kids who have overcome war, poverty, sexual abuse, children who have had schizophrenic parents. We're talking about Emmy Warner, Norm Gurmese, Ann Manston, Michael Rudder, just so we have a little credibility. There's a real life researchers that have been looking at these kids for quite a while. And they find that some do overcome, but it has nothing to do with, again, uh, the GPA. It has to do with, I think, three things. Number one, it's the people in their lives or the teachers or the coaches or somebody who is a caring champion who refuses to give up on the child. There's nothing more important than the calm connection of an adult to a child. The second thing is a place. These kids have got to have a place to go to, either your home where you can breathe or the classroom you can breathe or a boys and girls club you can breathe, someplace that gives you a safety net. The third thing is protective buffers that are learned, like how to calm down or how to problem solve, because there's different kinds of problems. Now, back to your question. So therefore, what are the seven? What I actually did was get myself a huge set of post-it notes, go through tons and tons of science and say, what are the most common ones that keep coming up that evidence says are teachable that make a difference? And in no order, the first one was confidence. We'll get back to that. Kids recognize their strengths and we focus on their strengths, not their deficits or their weaknesses. That is core because that's the bulk of, I don't care who the kid is. And I got three kids. They're as different as night and day. It's Russian roulette on what you get with a kid. So figure out what each kid's strength is and go from there. The second one, we figured this one out from COVID, is empathy or social competence. You do not have to have 50,000 friends, but you have to have a couple of loyal buddies that are there for you or the ability to learn how to connect with another human being. What happened with COVID? Loneliness set in. We're now looking at the loneliness epidemic and depression because we needed connection. Kids need to think we, not me. The third one is, duh self-control. They need to be able to figure out how to regulate themselves. And in some cases with more complex kids, we're going to have to be the regulator for quite a while, but let's just keep showing them a strategy and helping them until they can finally at least say it or do it without us. Fourth is integrity. It's us inside the kid's head. And there's a reason for it. I, I discovered, for instance, that first drivers think who, not what, that's strengths. Second, Thrivers think me, we, not me. That's empathy. Third, thrivers think I can regulate and so put the brakes on impulses. That's self-control. Fourth, they have a strong moral code because if push comes to shove and maybe there's peer pressure or some other kind of a challenge, who knows what the challenge is? Integrity is going to lead them forth. The fifth one is, I love this one, curiosity. Mm-hmm. This is a kid who can think outside the box and he doesn't have to be Albert Einstein. This is a child who goes, I got this, mom. He's a problem solver and he's not always rescued by the parents. He knows that he can find a way to storm his brain and come up with an idea. Here's what else I can do. 
So thrivers think outside the box. Uh, The sixth one is perseverance. That's the harder one. But he goes the whole nine yards and he doesn't quit. We'll talk about that one in a minute. But that growth mindset, or at least knowing I've got some control over it matters. The seventh one is what every person in the world needs right now, hope and optimism. There is a silver lining out there so that pessimism doesn't grow and erode your feeling of, oh, gosh, I got this. Otherwise, hopelessness and hopelessness sets in. Yeah. And that's, I think, what's happening to a lot of kids. Yeah. Yeah. That that sense of believing in what's possible, believing in themselves, having people yeah. who believe in them, yep. that sort of encapsulates all that I'm hearing you saying. Yeah, that's exactly it. Huh. <laughs> so, so, so there's so many different directions we can go. I love what I love about where you started in this was, was this notion that parents make a difference. Mm-hmm. We can facilitate a lot of what you're describing. We can foster confidence. We can teach empathy. We can help them learn to put the brakes on and all of these things. Sometimes we have kids who say, I've got this in our realm but they may not got this, right? Yeah. So there's that resistance. So we speak a little bit to about a little bit about how, you know, when you've got a, a neurodiverse kid, yep. they may not be as responsive to a parent's direction. Yep. Well, because you got other dynamics at play. We got to be very sneaky and crafty on how we, we instruct our kids so that they feel safe with us. Because yeah. fascinating, this is really, again, back to the kids. What do you want your parent to do? What would help you? And one of the things they said over and over again is just be calm with me. You yes. don't have to say stuff sometimes. Just sit down next to me and put your hand on my back. That'll be fine. That's a 17-year-old kid. So yeah. sometimes parents get concerned about the right words. So that's a first thing. Second thing on many of kids are saying is watch how you respond to my mistakes. Because I yes. I don't want to disappoint you. Oh God, that just killed me. I love my parents. I'm so appreciative of what all they do. And the last thing I want to do is disappoint them. And I'm gonna make mistakes, but Tell me also that I'm more than just a test score. Another child said that. It's all about my grade. How about who I am? Mm, I I, love it. The first other thing that's so critical is that, look, we just went through and talked about seven things. And if we're not careful as a group of parents, we're going to be overwhelmed going, oh, my God, now what do I do? So don't. Instead, rewind and say, okay, of those seven, which ones are you already doing? Yeah. Of those seven, which ones do your children already have or which one do you model? Because whatever you model is more likely to come to you. And then maybe for the next couple of weeks, don't do a thing, but just walk around and observe your kids a little more. Mm-hmm. What's the one thing that they need to be thrivers? What's the one little thing you can tune up and start with thinking big, but starting small and then say, that's what I'm going to do every single day for a few minutes a day. Few minutes a day is how we make the difference. Well, and that's actually the direction I was going to go because, you know, these seven take time to develop. I mean, yeah. a lot of times these kids, particularly these complex kids, don't develop these skills yeah. until they're older. And it's the sort of, what do we do until they have the skill other than panic well, that they don't have the skill? Here's the first thing. <laughs> I, I love that because we all do good. Oh my gosh, now what do I do? And then guilt sets in. Yes, oh my yes. gosh, the guilt. <laughs> so the first thing is look at this as a roadmap to parenting that starts from birth and keeps going until whenever the kids finally are there. It could be 18 and it could be 45. 
How long do you need to keep looking at these are the things that matter most? And when you say, but it's also in a classroom, I chose those seven because of one other thing. Not only are they proven to boost resilience, but I also, as a former teacher, know that teachers are going, I don't have time to teach this in addition to everything else. Those seven also are highly correlated to success in classrooms, peak performance, and success in life. Mm -hmm. Uh, The the final thing that's interesting is that they create future readiness. These are the same seven. I just did a, a paper for ASCD. And they said, can you take those seven and tell us how they would future-proof a kid? And I started looking at what makes a kid employable when they finally leave us. Those seven are the ones that keep coming up from employers. So that's a plan that says it's not one or the other. It's not either grades or resilience. They all work hand in hand. We just need one thing to say, here's my roadmap. I'm going to stick to it, but I'm going to take however long it takes and go Each one of those seven, by the way, is made up of skills. Thrivers is going to give you the skills and the how-tos in each one. But don't you dare go trying all of those or your kid will never let you read another book as long as they live. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and what I love about what you're speaking to is is old research that's that's probably almost antiquated by now based on what you're bringing is this notion that resilience has nothing to do really with intelligence or it's not correlated with intelligence. That resilience is is what happens when one person in a child's life believes in them enough to help them begin to believe in themselves and to cultivate so much of what you're articulating here. It starts with a kid seeing that it's possible for them to be successful. Yes. Yes. Oh, yes. That's it. And Part of that also is not just us, but also allowing him or her. Notice I have three boys. So there's or them (laughs) or them to be able to have the experiences so that they can say to themselves, I got this. When parents ask me, what's the so what do you define a thriver to be? And I'd say in the end, it's a kid who says, I got this. I got this. It's going to take a while for that child to get it. But if you're always there rescuing or coddling or being there. I mean, Jerome Kagan, remember him from way back when? He followed our children when they were two and very, very introverted, very, very stressed. And he watched how we responded to them. And we he discovered after following the same kid up for 20 years, those parents who didn't hover, but mm-hmm. stood by and were warm and supportive and say, it's okay, you got it, who helped them know what the next step is, but didn't do it for them. By the time they got to early, you know, teens and, and early adulthood, were far more thriving kind of kids who actually become more and more assertive in their voice tones. That was how they were raised. Well, and what's coming up as you're saying that is that as parents, we know how to direct. Yes. And when you say stand, when you stand, stand, when you say stand by, we know how to like back off. It's and, and what we work on the most is the in-between, right? Because these yeah. kids need more help than they want or that they than they think they need. And it's just sort of how do we step in gently and supportively and not just try to take over and say, oh, I'll do this until you can. Okay, here's the model you use and you can use it for anything. So parents, stop, listen carefully. Look at your child a little closer the following week and say, what's one little skill that is developmentally appropriate that this kid is capable of doing on his own, but he's maybe frustrated with it. What do you do? I could, could be making the bed. Number one, show him how to do it with him. He watches, you show him. I don't care how long it takes for you to show up that he finally gets it. Now do it together. Watch it together so you can 
reinforce. No, no, it goes under here, sweetie pie, or just it could be nothing more than a comforter. So he doesn't have to go through the whole process. Now you show me once you've done it together and you're pretty sure he's got the steps. You step back and you say, you show me. And once he's got it, you got it, sweetie pie. You're on your own. You keep doing it. And you do that each skill. How long does it take? For some kids, it's a day. For some kids, it's months. However long, you make it appropriate. But you use that as a model because in the end, the child goes, I think mom thinks I can do it. And that's the end of what you're looking for. Well, and and what I love about what what you're saying is, you know, in in our work, it's the collaborative process. It's about collaborating with our kids, getting them that taking aim, giving them some agency and then supporting them in whatever they need. What I want to say to the parents listening whose kids at a point where they were so resistant that they're not even ready for you to show them. Mm -hmm. And we have a lot of parents in our community who come to us where the, the control games have gotten really deep. Mm-hmm. So what I want to say to those parents, it's the yes and. Yes, this works. And you may need to spend a little time cultivating the relationship first and building yes. some trust first so that you can ask them, can I show you? And that gives them a sense of agency. Oh, so I love that. Doing- and here, you know what the other thing we do wrong, just to, ca- to just piggyback on that one, is parents don't do this all by yourself. Right. There's other people who see that child. And once you are teaching a child or you're working on one little thing, you pass it on. Grandparents are a gold mine. Have ma- grandmother, grandfather, zoom it in or come and visit. He sees a teacher. She sees a teacher. She sees the nanny. She sees the daycare worker. She sees the babysitter. Pass on to at least one other person who can support you because the more you're on board with another person together, the more that child is going to get it because he's getting reinforced from other people who also care desperately about him or her. Yeah. 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 Well, so we're so, starting to, to wrap it up. I mean, I, I can't believe this conversation has gone so fast. Michelle, what, what's the best way for people to connect in with you if they wanted to follow up? Oh, thank you. Well, my website is michelleborba.com. One little alert. I'm a one L Michelle and Borba rhymes with Zorba. So it's, it'll Michelle. be in the show notes. So just, so just show know that it'll be down there. Thank you can you. Do it. That's the best. I'm on Twitter, uh, you know, at Michelle Borba or Instagram at Dr. Michelle Borba, but just simply that's it. There's content. And your book is called Thrivers. The most recent of many is called Thrivers, Thrivers. And we'll have a link to it yeah. in the show notes. Yeah. The last one, Thrivers, the surprising reasons why some kids struggle and others shine. Each, you know, each chapter is one of those seven strengths, but each Great. chapter also has the skills. And then each skill is age related. So here's what to do if they're three or at a three-year-old level. Here's what they're, you can do if they're six or eight or whatever. It just keeps on going all the way up. And the reminder for those of you in our community, you know, when we take that three to five challenge, I love what you said, three or at a three-year-old level, eight or at an eight-year-old level. So yeah. you could have an 11-year-old who's developmentally still at an eight-year-old level on, on in some areas. So you really want to meet them where they are developmentally, not where they are chronologically. So oh, love great, that. great awareness. What didn't we talk about? I mean, is there something else or that we missed? What a bottom little, line, yeah. The bottom line of, of what, either what we want to do to wrap this oh. conversation up or something that we've missed out on. That uh, we make real sure we simple. I think we need to keep in mind as a group of parents, our children, 
we need to reimagine parenting for them. And that's because we are raising kids in a different era. It's not our own childhoods. It's a more uncertain, more accelerated, more digitally driven world. They will face challenges and they need to be prepared for them. If we keep that in mind, don't stop helping them do the rest of the stuff, but just slowly add resilience building to help them thrive. It is doable. Research says we've got it, but make it slow. And keep on going until your child begins to adopt some of these, as those teens told me, adopt them so we can do them by ourselves. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. And so do you have a favorite motto or quote that you want to leave us with? Oh, I think it's absolutely perfect for right now. Never do for your child what your child can do for himself. Awesome. Never do for your child what your child can do for himself. Beautiful. Michelle, thank you. I want to say thank you for being here with us. And and I really want to say thank you for the work you've done in the world. You you really were a trendsetter and and an innovator at at a time when, you know, when Diane and I first started as parents, part of the reason we created Impact, what was then Impact ADHD, now Impact Parents, is because there was a lot of support out there for kids and not a lot out there for parents. And you were yes. one of those early yes. voices really Aww. speaking to parents and, and teachers and inviting a different kind of conversation. So thank oh, you for, for oh, what you've you done. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. Everything I've learned is from those parents back in that first special education classroom. Love that. They directed yeah. me and I thank them for it. Yeah. What a great catalyst for an amazing career and beautiful work in the world. So thank you to those of you who are listening. Thank you, Michelle. It's been great to meet you. And um, for those of you parents that are out there, thank you for everything you're doing for yourself and your kids. At the end of the day, you make the difference. We'll see you on the next show, everyone. Take care. You've been listening to the Parenting with Impact podcast with Elaine and Diane. For more information on the Impact Parents community or to join Sanity School for Parents, please visit impactparents.com. If you like what you've heard, please share this podcast with friends who need similar guidance and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For the essentials of Elaine and Diane's coach approach to parenting, download a free tip sheet at impactparents.com slash podcast. Behavior therapy training for parents is actually recommended as a first-line treatment for complex kids. For information about Sanity School, our training program for parents or teachers, which has helped thousands of families around the globe, visit impactparents.com slash sanity school. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.